You are tuned to the Nahum Siegel Network on jmandtheam.org and nachumsegel.com. Stay tuned for JM Sunday with Matis Weingast. Amen. 
Good morning, everyone. Welcome to JM Sunday right here on the Nachum Siegel Network. Matas Weingast here with you, and today is July 13th, 2014, 15th day in the month of Tammuz, 5774. And if you are following Dafiomi, or if you want to follow Dafiomi, it's a great day to start because today is a brand new Mesechta, Mesechta Megillah, starting at the beginning with Daf number two. And if you want to know why, it starts with Daf 2, even though it's at the beginning and you don't know that. It's a great reason to start so that you can learn why every Masechta starts with Daf 2. It's uh, 7.06 in the morning and the temperature outside in the north New Jersey area is 72 degrees, going up to a high of 90 and chance of thunderstorms later today. In Jerusalem right now it's 81 degrees, going down to a low of 62 and partly cloudy later on this evening. My thanks for all of those uh, joining us this morning. Appreciate it very much. We're going to have two hours of music. Rabbi Goldwasser at 7.30 with Morning Chizuk. And the news from Israel in English at 8 o'clock with Hannah Levy Julian. It's a very busy time over in Israel. We are praying for everybody's safety. And uh, we know the dedication of the soldiers that are out there. And a lot of things happening. So Hannah Levy Julian will bring us up to date. Let us know the latest on uh, what is going on. That's coming up at 8 o'clock. It'll probably be a bit of an expanded edition of the uh, of the news because there is so much going on. So in the meantime, we're going to fill your morning with music. And uh, this coming uh, Tuesday, this coming Tuesday is the 17th of Tammuz. So it is a fast day. And uh, the fast of Shiva Asar Batamuz, 17th of Tammuz, begins the three weeks. Our format will change as uh, it will over the network, on JM and the AM, etc. And uh, we'll be going into music appropriate for the three weeks and heading through the nine days. So it's a very uh, tumultuous time in Israel, and it coincides with a very tumultuous time in the history of our nation. So that is what's happening on the calendar. Again, thanks everybody for joining me this morning. We are here live with you once again on a Sunday morning. Here is uh, from Hask, time for music number 23, goes back a few years, Baruch Haba with uh, Avram Fried and Alipa Schmelzer right here on JM Sunday exclusively on the Nachum Siegel Network. Baruch Haba Avremo, Baruch Haba Alipa, Baruch Haba to Hask 23.
That was Akiel Okim from Samachti. That was the name of the album. And before that, we heard Achenu from Samach at the Wheel dance albums. Besamim with uh, Nakoni B, title track of that album. Shalshelis with uh, Connections album. Nigun Shalshelis with Dudu Kalish. And we started off with Baruch Haba from A Time for Music, volume 23, Hask 23. It's 7.29 in the morning here on a Sunday, July 13th, 2014, 15th day in the month of Tammuz. You are listening, and thank you for joining us here on JM Sunday, exclusively on the Nachum Siegel Network. Uh, morning Chizuk with Rabbi Goldwasser coming up in a few seconds. And the news from Israel expanded uh, English edition. There's a lot to talk about. That'll be at 8 o'clock with Hannah Levy-Julian. So make sure that you uh, keep it right here on the network. So much going on in Israel. And, of course, uh, things are changing minute by minute. Programming continues, as I always remind you, uh, on the stream all day long on Sunday. Great encore presentations, great music mix. We head into uh, the three weeks format starting on Tuesday. It's Shiva Asr Tammuz, 17th day in the month of Tammuz. That's a fast day. It begins the three weeks. that goes into the nine days, includes the nine days, and, of course, concludes with a Tisha B'Av three weeks later. It is uh, 72 outside right now here in North Jersey, going up to a high of 90 with thunderstorms anticipated later in the day and this evening. In Jerusalem, 81 degrees, going down to 62 degrees, partly cloudy. That's the weather forecast. And uh, we're going to go to Rabbi Goldwasser now. And again, reminder that the, the expanded news in English coming up uh, at 8 o'clock live from Israel with Hannah Levy-Julian. Make sure that you uh, that you are listening to that and listening to the show. Until 9 o'clock, that's when we're here. Thanks a lot, everyone. Appreciate it. At this time, each and every Sunday through Thursday, we present to you Rabbi David Goldwasser, Rabbi Goldwasser's words, Elazecha Nishmas Rav Zev, Rav Yosef Alevi, here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. Our Chachomim note that throughout the narration of the building of the Mishkan, the Torah continually states that it was built as Hashem had commanded Moshe. The Medrash compares this to a king who commanded a palace to be built for him. As the palace was being built, the workers inscribed the name of the king on every wall, every window, and every door. Why did they do this? They wanted to enhance the honor of the king. Hagoin Rav Shach comments that indeed, Moshe did everything that Hashem commanded him to do. But there's no mention that he wrote anything, such as Hashem's name, anywhere in the Mishkan. Where is the parallel in this analogy that the Medrash offers? Rav Shach expounds on the profound implications expressed in this Medrash. He explains that if a person performs any mitzvah with the proper kavana, the appropriate devotion and meaningful purpose, then the mitzvah endures and there isn't any need to continually restate our intent to perform the mitzvah. However, with respect to emuna, man's obligation is much different. One cannot simply initiate the thought of complete faith in Hashem. A person has to constantly assess and strengthen his emuna, his faith in Hashem. The Mishkan was the dwelling place for the Shekhinah, the Divine Presence. It was a place where the Kvayd Hashem, the honor of Hashem would be present. 
in order to enhance the people's cognizance of this honor of Hashem, Moshe Rabbeinu had to imbue every action that involved the construction of the Mishkan with the reminder of the Shem Hashem, the name of Hashem. Similarly, in life, one's belief in Hashem and his recognition of the divine providence in the world requires continuous toil in perseverance in the quest for truth. Events can often challenge a person's amuna. It is therefore metaphorically necessary for us to write on every wall, on every door, in every window of our homes that the honor of Hashem hovers over us and that we are ready to do as Hashem has commanded us. The great Rebbe Leo Dessler once said, There is a specific mitzvah in the Torah to be involved in matters of building our faith. It is the first mitzvah of the Asera Sadibros, the Ten Commandments, Onoichi Hashem Elokecho. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser, bringing you morning chizik. Have a nice day. You got a dark tone, the sharpest stare, and God only knows. The good things will come and fade, and never withhold from. I hear the echo still, those words in my head. So many things were left unsaid You're gone but unofficially I try to pull myself but I wake up on the other side And I see in post-factual time But I would never ever leave myself behind I have tried so hard to find out what you're feeling It makes it hard to speculate And I cannot prevent this condescending feeling Good things don't come to those who wait
Show. 
Shalom Aleichem is the name of that tune from the album. Eighth day before that, from the Chasing Prophecy album with Amosai. Korav Yom, Pintaliyid, Shwebel, Sharf, and Levine, Simcha Liner, Piskuli album with Mimi. Nala from Israeli festivals goes back a while. And Flying Colors, Lift Your Eyes, Akiva Tolchin. Right here on JM Sunday. Here on the Nachum Siegel Network, Mata Weingast with you, 8.01 in the morning. We're going to go to the news from Israel Live with Hanalevi Julian in uh, just a moment. 
I wanted to just remind you, if you're waking up right now, it's July 13th, 15th day in the month of Tammuz. This coming Tuesday is a fast day. The 17th of Tammuz begins the three weeks. Our format will change over the course of the network in the next two days. Nachum will be on tomorrow morning with the JM and the AM, bright and early at 6 o'clock, followed by the Israel Show with Mayor Weingarten. That's an exclusive to the stream, the Israel Show. That's at uh, 9 o'clock. Don't forget, uh, when you get a chance, go to the Facebook pages and uh, like our Facebook page. Mine is JM Sunday. I want to thank uh, Aaron and Chevy for liking the Facebook page this week. And uh, go over to Mayor's uh, Israel Show Facebook page. Like his page also. Gives us a way of communicating with you. It's uh, 72 degrees outside right now in the North New Jersey area. It's overcast. It's going to go up to a high of 90 with scattered thunderstorms throughout the afternoon and evening. In Jerusalem, it's 81 degrees. We'll look at the exact forecast in a minute from Connor Levy-Julian. But uh, I have it here as 81 and going down to 62 and partly cloudy. So that's what we're we're looking at. The um, The programming continues all day long here on the... Nachum Siegel Network. So make sure you you keep it uh, keep it tuned, as they say, right here. At this time on uh, Sunday mornings, we welcome Hannah Levy Julian, a senior Israeli correspondent and Middle Eastern news analyst, who is a former editor and contributing radio news broadcaster at Arutsheva. She joins us every Sunday morning to bring us up to date on the latest happenings in the state of Israel. Good morning, Hannah Levy Julian. Morning, Mattis. Israeli pilots are dropping flyers over northern Gaza to warn residents that it's time to leave, at least temporarily. Uh, the flyers are written in Arabic, and they tell residents in the area they should stay far away from Hamas terrorists and also keep away from any area where terrorist activity is taking place because these areas pose a grave risk to their safety. The Israeli army is also, believe it or not, calling Gaza residents by phone with recorded voice messages and text messages delivering the same information. The flyers tell the residents of specific neighborhoods exactly when to leave and exactly where Israeli forces will attack. The flyers also warn them very clearly that those who fail to comply with the instructions will endanger their lives and the lives of their families. Uh, the IDF is doing its best to make sure civilians are not harmed uh, as it attacks the terrorists who are firing rockets and missiles at civilian families in Israel. Today is the sixth day of Operation Protective Edge. So far, there's no way to predict when the war will end. That's the word from Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. Israel is determined to make sure this time that no more rockets will be fired at Israeli families from the Gaza region even 90-year-old President Shimon Peres, who's an absolute voice of peace, says Gaza will be free only once it rids itself of Hamas. Peres pointed out that Israel withdrew from Gaza in 2005. Palestinian Arabs could have made a beautiful region there with greenhouses that were left for them and funding that was provided, but instead it turned to terror. Paris pointed out to reporters that Hamas uses human shields to kill and injure as many people as possible on both sides. He said that Israel does not want to hurt innocent civilians and does what it can to avoid harming innocents. 
on either side. You know, if it weren't so uh, serious, it would almost be laughable um, that uh, that phone calls are being made. You know, can you imagine getting a cell phone call? We usually get them for uh, you know for good things, and then suddenly, like you know, please be advised. But uh, we saw some uh, some texts. You mentioned uh, parts of it. Uh, here's one to the residents, and I, I don't know if I'm uh, pronouncing this uh, Arab area correctly, but to the residents of Beit Lahia. Uh, the IDF intends right. to attack from the air on infrastructure and terrorists. This is obviously a translation. In the east of Al Atatra Street to Al Satatin Street, and west and north of uh, Mafsakir Jabalia. So they're very specific, letting right. people it sounds, know. It sounds like like we're disconnecting your water yeah. for an infrastructure. <laughs> right, but <laughs> but like, like but <laughs> exactly, but but they are. Um, Dropping these leaflets and and says, like you said, anyone who does not heed these warnings risks his life or his family's lives. And unfortunately, the the reason for this primarily and these leaflets is that Hamas terrorists are um, putting themselves in um, civilian areas, civilian homes from which they launch the rockets. <clears throat> and Israel is trying utmost to. Matras, it's not only that. Hamas is also issuing instructions to these people, uh, not only during the day, but also in the mosque, specifically telling them to ignore messages from the Israeli army and from the Israeli government, and telling them specifically to stay in their homes and also even to stand on the rooftops and and uh, act specifically as human shields in the event of an Israeli airstrike. There's something called the knock-on-roof policy. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a way of letting the residents of a house know that an attack is imminent. The uh, Israeli Air Force, up until now, has been letting residents of a particular home or a particular area know that they're going to attack a um, a particular area by firing a particular you know, by firing a blank shell a small one at the uh, at the house at the roof of the house it sort of knocks on the on the roof hmm. that's what's called knock on roof right. and that's the warning and then they're given about five minutes to get out of there. And then they blow up the house. Right, and all this time... It's a terrorist house. It's a terrorist terrorist target. Right, and all this time... But what's been happening instead is Hamas gives them instructions and says, stay there. If you get a knock on move, go up to the rooftop and stand there, and that will prevent them from attacking the house. People go up there thinking that we're not going to attack. Right, because the time it takes takes to wait for that, Hamas can launch another... uh, you know, ten rockets into Israel during during that time. Could you give us an idea, please, of uh, the number of rockets and strikes that have taken place since the operation, and also uh, some of the uh, new weapons, apparently, that Hamas has in its arsenal? Yes. Since the beginning of Operation Protective Edge, terrorists have fired more than 800 rockets at Israel, and that's that count is only from this morning, from early this morning, so there's more since then. 635 of those landed in southern, central, and northern regions of this country because a few of them, not many, but a few, were fired by terrorists now in Lebanon who think they're going to join the party. 
147 were intercepted by the Iron Dome anti-missile defense system. 147. I need to point out that for each interceptor missile that is fired, this country is spending $50,000. Right. And each interceptor is $50,000. And also, just to be clear, it's not that the Iron Dome missed the others. It's that those others were determined that they, by computer, however they do it, would not land in a populated area, so Iron Dome didn't attempt to intercept them. Yes, but you need to know that there are some that landed and scored direct hits and did cause great damage and did hurt people. For example, on uh, uh, on the weekend, one actually hit a gas station in Ashdod and hit a fuel truck and blew up the entire gas station and severely injured uh, a 50-year-old man. And about three hours ago, a 16-year-old boy uh, and an adult were injured. The 16-year-old boy is now in critical condition in Ashkelon, uh, and that is because a battery, a whole barrage of missiles were fired at the same time. The, the Iron Dome can only fire a certain number of interceptors at the same time simultaneously, and what happens is if they fire a barrage all together at the same time, there's a limit as to how many interceptors the Iron Dome can fire to intercept that barrage. Uh-huh. And what has Israel done and in the meantime? As a result, yeah. What has the IDF mm-hmm. done in the meantime, uh, not in the meantime, but during this operation, what has the IDF struck? Uh, we have struck 1,320 targets throughout Gaza. Those included 735 hidden rocket launchers. Think about that for a minute. 735 hidden rocket launchers, 64 terrorist training bases, 58 weapons factories, factories, 58 of them, 32 Hamas command sites, 29 communication sites, and other places used for terrorist activities. And we haven't, and and, and I'm being told that's the tip of the iceberg. We're not, we're not, we haven't even gotten started yet. That's what I was told by a military source. Wow. Uh, and, uh. So we're, so there's no way to know when this is going to end yet, according to the Prime Minister. Um, and the people in northern Gaza were told to get out of the way because, uh, we're going to start cracking down. I hope they listen because no one wants to hurt civilians, but, uh, no one likes getting rockets aimed at their families or their houses or their backyards, and we're done. We're done. This time uh, our prime minister has said, and I believe him, that this operation will not end until the rocket fire ends and is finished and is not coming back. I believe him. I do. Right. Absolutely. Um, I know that there were some uh, breaking news stories that uh, came over in the last hour or so about a, a, a missile that fell in the Ash, in the Eshkol region that sparked a, a big fire that was put out and that there uh, are, yeah there's been a few uh, we've had a few breaking stories in the in the last hour or so um, first of all they've opened the bomb shelters on the northern border that's at least that's a bigger story um, they've opened the bomb shelters on the northern border uh, because we don't 
really know 100% what the intentions are uh, up north across the border in Lebanon. There have been uh, two definite uh, intended rocket attacks in the past five days from, uh, from Lebanon. Uh, last night, three rockets were fired and, uh, and landed and hit targets. Uh, in northern Israel. Now, uh, obviously, so the bomb shelters. Th- these are coming from, as you said, from the Hezbollah in Lebanon. Uh, and even though they're all enemies of Israel... We don't know if it's Hezbollah. Wait, 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 time out. We okay. don't know if it's Hezbollah. Ah, all that's right. Not, that's not certain. It could also be Palestinians up there. We don't really know, and uh, that's not definite. Okay. But we do know that it's from some terrorists up there. It could also be ISIS. Okay, so I was going to ask though, they're all enemies of Israel. Do they do these uh, different groups, whether it's North and Lebanon, whether it's ISIS, whether it's Hamas, do they actually interact with each other and coordinate any of this, or does one just pick up and say, "Hey, they're doing this in the in the uh, south. Let, let's see if we can throw some things in the north while we're at it." Well, Hezbollah coordinates with Hamas one hundred percent. Hezbollah okay. has been training Hamas for this particular uh, war. This has been coming for a long time. It's been expected. The the violence that's been going on through Israel and that was ignited by the murder of that Arab teen uh, didn't just blow up on its own. That was an organized situation in, in a way that was similar to the violence that broke out after Prime Minister Sharon made his visit to the Temple Mount. That was organized. Right. They were just waiting for an event that they could hang it on. That that's not uh, that didn't just happen. Right. When they, we, they've been looking for the excuse. When we think back to the news stories over the last year or so of Israel intercepting ships bringing weapons into uh, Gaza, uh, or uh, when Israel went after the tunnels uh, from Egypt, you know, over the last year, year and a half, or whatever it was, uh, and Israel displayed the thousands of weapons that it confiscated. Those are the same weapons, some of which got into the area, that are being used right now. And, you know, people complained that Israel was uh, going onto sovereign ships, etc., and, and trying to stop this. But these are the very weapons that uh, would be in place now, if not for Israel catching at least some of them. The fact of the matter is Hamas has in its arsenal, well, they may have a few less now because we took them out, but uh, when when we started this operation, Hamas had in its arsenal 10,000 rockets, missiles, and mortar shells, 10,000. Um, and in addition to that 10,000, apparently they've got a few more. They've got some new uh, missiles as well. One of the newer missiles they uh, fired this time around that they did not have in the last war was the M302. In the last war, they introduced the M75, which uh, enabled them to reach the outskirts of Tel Aviv and Rishon and just barely to reach the outskirts of Jerusalem. This time they fired the M302 which got them much farther. They were able to reach the outskirts. They were able to reach actually past Hadera, and they were able to reach this time Dimona. Yeah, we heard about that. they were not that. able to do last time around. We heard yeah, about that. Yeah, that was uh, kind of interesting. They sent everybody flying into shelters with that one. Uh, that's the M302. 
But even with that one, and that has a range of 100, uh, well, let's put it this way, with the warhead loaded, it has a range of about 100 to 110 kilometers. Without the warhead, it can go up to 140 kilometers. In order to send it as far as possible, they took all the explosives, all the explosives out of the warhead and emptied the entire shell and then sent it flying because they wanted to get it up to Haifa in order to prove they could shell Haifa. It was a stupid exercise. It was a really, it was, in, in a way, it was a waste of of, uh, of a bomb. However, but they did it. However, if so it then, were to know, hit, yeah, right. If it were to hit, though, uh, you know, people or or a house or a building or or something that can catch on fire, uh, you know, even just the shell coming down could certainly do damage. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, and it's and it's certainly scary. I mean, it's definitely a frightening thing. And and of yes, course. it can start a fire. Um, I know people. It's terrible, right? I know people who are actually praying that they hit Al-Aqsa. Uh, well. <laughs> there are, uh, we, we, we have expanded news from Israel with Hannah Levy Julian this morning, uh, as we do every Sunday morning, expanded because of everything going on. Um, there was a report which uh, has nothing to do with, um, with this terrorist activities, uh, that uh, a Delta flight coming out of Ben Gurion Airport turned back after about an hour or so, uh, due to some technical difficulties, uh, I'm sure you heard about, but we, our reports are that it has nothing to do with any of this, it just was a, uh, mechanical difficulty yeah, and everybody right. returns it's safe. Right okay. That's right. It's fine. Three, 300 and something passengers. They're fine. It was Good. a technical failure. Uh, it was an emergency landing. They're perfectly fine. They landed at Ben Gurion. Right. And, and we also heard that the uh, Israeli Navy commandos in this uh, Operation Protective Edge uh, did go into northern Gaza and uh, were able to take out a long range rocket facility. So uh, that, that's correct. something. And, uh, we. Uh, three key Hamas terrorists were killed in, in that attack, four soldiers wounded. Uh, thank God we didn't lose anybody. All right, absolutely. Time. Well, I'll tell you, on a different uh, note... Also, uh, yes, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I was I was going to say on a, on a different note, and then I'll let you finish the uh, your your report. Uh, life continues. Uh, you know, there are groups that are staying in Israel who came over this summer. Uh, there are new groups that are coming. People are deciding to make their uh, make some changes in their vacations and going to Israel instead of somewhere else. And uh, I saw reports of youngsters who are in Israel for the first time, or certainly just for the summer on programs and they've had to go to um to bomb shelters and in one case somebody said that the, she wear she wore her sneakers to sleep because she didn't want to have to put them on if she had to get to a bomb shelter but she wasn't afraid and they're not afraid they're continuing one particular group went to a water park today so l- life continues albeit under this this terrible cloud of terrorist activity uh and uh you know, we hope that it will end soon, but like you said, uh, the idea here is not to just get a ceasefire and to stop what's now. The idea is to get rid of this threat once and for all. That's right. I'll tell you, it has the, the Jewish nation is truly the Jewish nation, if nothing else. You know, living here allows you to to see the creativity and the... Uh, the inventive ways in which Jews deal with all kinds of situations. I've been listening to uh, the radio a lot, which, of course, is part of what I do. And first of all, Jews never stop talking. 
have to tell you that. <laughs> Jews just don't ever stop talking. <laughs> just, it's a good thing. It's a good you know, thing. <laughs> it's a great thing. One of one of the uh, one of the radio stations here, uh, which is of course it's in Hebrew, is uh, has a call in program. And they have no lack of callers ever, not ever, no of matter course. what time of day or not it is. <laughs> yeah. So one of the one of the uh, one of the late night programs uh, is encouraging people to call in from their shelters, hmm. and they and they had a discussion about uh, all the different kinds of activities you can do in your shelter. Um, another another program did a whole comedy routine about the various positions you can take while you're lying on the ground next to your car or bus uh, during a color red incoming rocket alert siren. Hmm. It, it, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's really unbelievable. The, un, the creativity just knows no limit whatsoever. Facebook has groups in English and Hebrew for selfies that you can take in the bomb shelter. All right. And you the competitions for all the great different decorating tips for your bomb shelter. It's unbelievable. Absolutely. What goes on here is incredible. Well, we pray for everybody's safety and uh, hope this will end soon very successfully. Um, I leave it to you to, to wrap up the news from Israel now. Yeah, well, there's two notes that to tell you. One is that Barzillai Hospital in Ashkelon and Soroka Hospital in Beersheba are both reporting that they've moved their labor and delivery rooms to the bomb shelters so women can deliver their babies safely. The baby wards were already moved last week. The neonatal units and the preemie units were already moved. So ladies, you can still have your babies and feel completely safe when you do that. Don't hesitate to go into labor just because we're having a war. And uh, secondly, it's warm and breezy here, Matis. The temperatures are, as you know, in the 80s. But down here in the south, they're in the 90s. Uh, so I don't know if that's having any effect on the uh, the teens down in Gaza who have slowed up a little bit in terms of their firing. I don't know if they've slowed up because we've taken so many of them out or if they've slowed up because the weather is really hot and they're supposed to be fasting. Uh, right. Full moonlight at night which makes it so much easier to hunt them down. Lows are in the 70s and the 80s. I wish everyone a great week, and I wish us all a peaceful week. May we be victorious. Hannah Julian for Jan Sunday. Thank you so much, Hannah Levy Julian, for joining us as you do every Sunday morning. And, of course, we have the expanded edition today. And really appreciate your insight and letting us know about what's going on in Israel, it's 8.24 in the morning. We're going to go back to the music here on JM Sunday. We have a Pimenta exclusively on the Nachum Siegel Network.
Israel betach b'shevem Ezram Ezram meginam hu Israel Israel betach b'shevem Ezram Ezram meginam hu
that brings us to uh, the close of another edition of JM Sunday right here on the Nachum Siegel Network. Thanks, everyone, for listening this morning. My thanks to Connor Levy-Julian for the, uh, the expanded news in English from Israel, letting us know what's going on there. Hopefully this week will be a safe and uh, quieter week over there. We start the fast day, uh, the uh, 17th of Tammuz on Tuesday, begins the three weeks. Our format will change here on the stream. Great programming continues all day long today, including encore presentations and uh, music stream tomorrow morning. Nachum with uh, Jam and the AM bright and early at six o'clock. Just uh, 21 hours from now. My thanks, everyone, again for tuning in, and uh, we'll see you back here on JM Sunday, right here on the stream next Sunday morning. That's where we'll be. Thanks again, everyone. Have a great day, a great week, and we'll see you all back here next Sunday on JM Sunday. Mm-hmm.